Hi, and welcome to Seen and Heard. My name is Allison Tristo, and I'm the community field rep at Western United Dairies. Today, we're going to have our CEO on, Anya Radabaugh, to give us an update on Landflex, as well as an update on a couple different irrigation districts. So let's go ahead and get into that. Pacific Gas and Electric is here to remind you that signs keep you safe. Sections of our natural gas transmission pipeline travel underground and beneath agricultural land. For the safety of you, your family, and your employees, pipeline markers are placed to indicate the approximate location of the pipe as a reminder to use extra care. Removing a pipeline marker creates a serious safety hazard. To have additional markers placed or report damaged or missing markers, please call your PG&E account manager or our Agricultural Customer Service Center at 877-311-3276. To learn more, visit www.pge.com agsafety. Remember, signs keep you safe. Hi folks, hope you had a great week. One thing to touch on quickly is last week we got a little bit of news out from USDA on their program called American Agriculture Feeds Kids and Families Acquisition Program. The uh, vague pre-solicitation note last week got markets a little excited, um, wondering what the program might stack up to be. More information released this week, however, shows the purchases of uh, cheese didn't really add up to too much, about 1.5 million pounds of natural cheese and about a half a million pounds of processed cheese. Delivery dates are not yet specified, uh, but believed to be next year at some point. Um, so markets didn't really get much lift beyond uh, that initial pre-solicitation last week. Uh, we did see some different movements in cheese this week. We actually saw blocks gain ground up three and a quarter cents this week to 223.25. Uh, markets uh, chatter suggests, you know, fairly strong holiday demand and still pretty decent export business are supporting the block market. However, barrels took a b- bit of a beating down 13 and a half cents to $1.9275. Moving over to butter, um, we also saw the week end on a little bit lighter note, uh, down nine and a half cents for the week to two eighty one. Nonfat dry milk also lost a quarter of a cent to $1.4275. So class four took a bit of a beating here at the end of the week and futures out in 2023 um, definitely responded with both class three and class four uh, futures losing ground for early in the year next year. Uh, If you haven't done so yet, uh, consider looking at the dairy margin coverage program through your FSA office. Uh, Get signed up for that 5 million pounds at the 950 margin level. Uh, You have until December 9th to get that done. And if you are looking at adding some dairy uh, revenue protection or DRP coverage, keep in mind next week, no sales on Monday or Tuesday because we get two big USDA reports, both milk production on Monday, cold storage on Tuesday, and then the markets will be closed for the holiday Thursday and Friday. Hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Please reach out with any questions.
Yosemite Farm Credit is the farmer's choice for agriculture financing. As a farmer-owned cooperative, we are dedicated to serving our neighbors in the agriculture community with financial products and services tailored to your operation and backed with the relationship you can trust. Whether you're purchasing real estate, making an improvements to the dairy, or wanting to purchase or lease equipment, we're here to help our members prosper. Visit our website at yosemitefarmcredit.com to find a branch location nearest you. Thanks for taking the time to come back on the podcast to give us a few updates. My pleasure. So let's start with Turlock Irrigation District and Modesto Irrigation District. Do you want to give us an update as to what's going on over there? Certainly. I think this is a really interesting time in the world of water. Um, There's a lot of really unique pressure points. But a couple of years ago, our organization reported on a series of activities called Voluntary Settlement Agreements, which essentially were developed by Governor Newsom to try to stem the reaction to the state water boards essentially taking a bunch of water from the tributaries in and around the Delta. And for those of you listening to the podcast that aren't overly aware of kind of the heart of the Central Valley, that's what we call the tribs in the water world. Um, These are areas in and around San Joaquin County, Stanislaus County, and Merced County. There are some very um, historic and old irrigation and water rights associated with all the rivers in the system. And the voluntary settlement agreements were essentially proposed by um, Carla Nemeth, the director of DWR, Wade Crowfoot, who is the secretary of natural resources here in California, uh, Governor Gavin Newsom and his team over at uh, CDFA, Secretary Karen Ross, which is essentially a compromise arrangement. Um, The original supplemental environmental documents asked for about 35 to 40% of all of the irrigation water behind some of these dams, Um, you know, Lower Tuolumne, McCullumne, Don Pedro, um, and Hetch Hetchy, which also most of that water belongs to uh, the city and county of San Francisco. And so uh, the negotiations hit kind of a stalemate. Uh, these were supposed to be kind of a moderated middle outcome for these for these issues. And we actually have a really interesting podcast that we recorded with a member of the Turlock Irrigation District last year um, that hopefully we can link in the show notes. But uh, generally speaking, what has happened this week is is pretty in- is pretty important. A few months back, about a year ago, uh, these irrigation districts in totality walked away from the voluntary settlement agreements. But this week, the Turlock Irrigation District, the Modesto Irrigation District, San Francisco Public Utilities District, and the Contra Costa Irrigation District, which are a large contingent of these uh, Delta tributaries, signed an MOU with Governor Newsom's team and the Department of Water Resources to essentially take a much smaller portion of water behind their behind their dams for ecological and environmental restoration purposes. And I would think that the deal that was cut definitely secures agriculture in these regions for, I think, eternity. And so we're definitely going to see some fluctuating land values uh, pretty immediately, I think, as an outcome of this MOU. But um, there is, you know, there's definitely going to be some uh, you know, some, some loud cries, I think, from the environmental community. They've not been fans of voluntary settlement agreements. 
they really believe that you know some punitive allocations of water is is needed for fish um but i think what was negotiated here represents a very middle road outcome for all of california you have you know a, a quite a big step for agriculture to give even more of its surface water away for the environment but you also have an agreement that that's part of the public trust and so um i think the newsom administration is very pleased with the outcome um, and then you just you have to admire the shrewdness of it. Um, certainly, Turlock and, and Modesto cutting their own deal um, secures their water rights forever. So is there anything else that you would like to wrap up on that before we jump into Landflex? I know that you want to talk about Landflex a little bit as well. Yeah, I will. I think that just to wrap that part of it, and we'll we'll definitely be publishing more information about this in the update, but I think that for our dairy farmers and, and members down south um, who are looking at moving water supplies south of the Delta, this arrangement um, is going to mostly stop those conversations from happening. And so there are going to be some longer term outcomes here. Um, I think that this is going to definitely give farmers in and around uh, Stanislaus County a lot more flexibility and a lot more certainty. This is something we talk about a lot in agriculture, but it certainly is going to restrict the amount of water that's ever going to be available again to export south of the Delta. So, which, you know, unfortunately in water wars, it's, uh, it's every man and, and, and every district for themselves. <laughs> Definitely. So Landflex, what is the latest on Landflex? Awesome. Well, I think that we've had, um, we did have some interesting reactions to our podcast a month ago, both in the agricultural community, um, the environmental community had um, definitely some engagement issues. And so we kind of took a pause and went back and reflected on some of the language that had been written in Landflex. And then today it culminated in a very widespread stakeholder meeting with DWR essentially announcing the programs. Um, it's, it's being birthed, it's born. Um, and I will tell uh, farmers, generally speaking, the payment prices that some folks have seen are generally holding, but they're now divided up into three very distinct pieces. And so, um, but just to clear it up uh, before we get going into some of the details here, uh, everyone can go to landflex.org, which redirects you to a listserv where you can sign up to receive information about any updates Landflex program is going to offer when the application period opens, which we're now shooting for um, November 28th or 30th, one of those dates, we're not quite sure yet. Um, the, that is the website that people are going to use to enroll their acreage. So just to remind everyone what Landflex is and what it isn't. It is no longer a following program. And that's, I think, something that's really important to point out. It is a sustainable yield program. And the three distinct pieces that we've kind of pulled back the curtain on, I think, reflect that. There will still be an acre foot of savings payment based on ET. So that's the immediate drought relief payment. There will still be a transition payment to move that acre that's enrolled into a more sustainable yield metric on the property so basically it will help the farmer either pay the bank make his payroll which is mostly the two common things that i'm hearing 
are going to happen with this money, keep people employed and, and, and basically make the transition. But it will help the farmer plant cover crops or plant a lower um, you know, water use crop, whether that's wheat or just a cover crop or maybe even cotton or in some cases tomatoes. We're trying to transition immediately the use um, and dependence on overdraft, which leads us to the third piece of the payment structure, which is now going to be called like the sustainable yield payment, where the farmer's overdraft will be bought down uh, permanently on that acre. And so the pay price is still um, hovering somewhere between $55 to $7,900 an acre, if you wanted to look at it that way. But the long-term permanence of that overdraft, of the farmer's ability to pump that overdraft, is going away as a result of the program. And so I wanted to kind of make that clear. But this is really, um, you know, DWR has shown um, a tremendous partnership in this case where they want to make sure that there is flexibility for the farmer. That's why we really stuck to that name, Landflex. And um, moreover, you have DWR talking about providing farmers certainty, which is a, something, it's a term I use a lot. It's a term that a lot of my members use with me. It's like, we, we love farming in California. We just want more certainty. We don't want the goalposts to keep being moved. And I respect that. And so um, that's really come through in the negotiations with DWR. And so um, providing long-term sustainability is really, really important to these overdrafted regions. Um, just to kind of touch back on the requirements and the, the GSA requirements that farmers will need to follow when applying for this program, only GSAs that have, that have adopted a um, overdraft reduction methodology uh, are going to be allowed into this first pilot project. If we see a lot of success, the idea is to expand the project next year. Uh, DWR is already angling to see you know, how that can be developed next year. Um, and then those GSAs that have adopted those overdraft reduction schemes, the pumping schemes, um, the farmer also needs to have a strong connection to domestic well preservation. And so the property that's going to be selected at the highest ratio are not just those in these GSAs that have this adopted methodology, but also those that have adjacency um, to either dry wells or wells that are in, under threat of going dry. And so um, the methodology criteria for award is going to follow essentially you're in a critically overdrafted basin, you have a GSA that's already adopted this, um, the groundwater uh, extraction methodology on a glide path down to zero. And then you have, um, you know, the best properties that are close to either a cluster of public wells, a series of, you know, wells that have already been listed as going dry. And we've recently partnered with um, self-help enterprises to make sure that some of those community connections are going to be made in this case. Got it. All righty. Well, is that your um, update? Do you have anything else you would like to let the producers know? Well, we're really proud of the the, the collaboration. I think that I'm, I've been routinely bummed to have to kind of announce things and then pull them back. But every time we've done so, we've made a much stronger defensible program. 
And just to remind everyone, this is not going to be for everybody. It's, it's, this is a really, you know, it's a pilot project that is testing metrics on what the state can do to incentivize faster compliance with Sigma and more appropriate compliance for communities. And so keeping that in mind, it's, I think, imperative to recognize that the existing following programs that a lot of GSAs are looking at or are already running are all important tools in a Sigma compliance basket. And so one is not supposed to supersede the other. There are, I think, a dozen other new pilot projects that the state is looking at rolling out next year related to Sigma and domestic well preservation um, that are really, really important. And there's also in disadvantaged communities, underrepresented communities that need to be connected to larger um, interconnections of, of communities to keep some of those costs down. Um, we're also looking at, you know, what what does digging and drilling deeper domestic wells look like? I, I think these are all things that the state, the state is getting a lot more comfortable testing metrics on. What have we not tried before? What can we try? And so this was, the Landflex was born out of one of those ideas. We've never tried to properly incentivize aquifer savings in a collaborative method that I think will, I think it will really help, you know, bringing these basins into immediate sustainable yield, if not much closer than they will be even in 10 or 15 years. Yeah, that's awesome because eventually we're going to have to be there. So we might as well just start now. Yep. We might as well start now. I think, I mean, I, if I had my druthers, I would not have started this program this year. I would have started it last year because feed mm -hmm. prices are out of control and looking to get even more out of control. Um, but you really have to start from the premise that people are already following and they're not getting paid anything for it. And so trying to incentivize that following around domestic wells, maybe this will work at at mitigating the loss of those wells. I think there's many uh, hydrogeologic uh, hydro situations where that may not be the case, but we're going to really turn it up or turn it down depending on what kind of results we see. Definitely. It's exciting to see this kind of lift off the ground because I know you and Aubrey have put in a lot of work to get this going. So this is exciting news. Yeah. And I don't know for anybody listening, I mean, there's just been a tremendous team in the background. DWR has been fantastic to work with. Um, we really want to thank Secretary Nemeth, excuse me, Director Nemeth for her vision in this case. Um, she's, I think, over the moon excited and really wants to see some of the growers that take advantage of this program, you know, talk to them about the decisions that they're making. And we encourage that. I can't wait to to tour her through a lot of this a lot of these decisions because it really is on the ground and providing people flexibility and certainty is something that is really important to us. Definitely. Well, thank you for coming on and giving us the update. Um, great news and it was nice having you on today. Yeah, and head over to landflex.org. Make sure you sign your email up, um, get us your contact information so that you're going to be on the list of any new updates and we really start to, um, you know, finalize the application process, which looks like it's going to be done over um, turkey and mashed potatoes here. Um, nothing like a good holiday to motivate the state to, to put the green light on things. But um, yeah, sign up to at lineflex.org. Um, please contact myself, Aubrey Betancourt, if you have any questions um, and you want to get hold of us. Definitely. And then 
Also, lastly, for Western United Dairy members, do you want to talk about board nominations? Sure. <laughs> yes, we've we've definitely done a good job stumping for the PRB, stumping for the Cattle Council, stumping for the Beef Council. It's our turn now. We are closing the door on board nominations. And if you are interested in uh, representing the dairy industry, uh, we would love to have your nomination. If you need to get in touch with Allison or myself about how to get one of those nominations, they're actually available on our website, um, wudairies.com. Um, and you can find access to that. But, you know, don't be afraid to put your hand up because the board is really responsible for our overall political strategy. They're over they're They're responsible for essentially giving me the green light on some of these fantastic ideas like Landflex. And they um, I really need their backing to um, have a strong dairy coalition going forward on all things that we do. And this next year is going to continue to be really spicy in Sacramento especially since we're looking at um, a historic budget uh, cut. Now we had a huge surplus the last couple of years and now um, it's not looking super good, which by all means was definitely predicted. So um, trying to make sure that um, that dairy gets its uh, present under the Christmas tree and what that present looks like is really up to the board of Western United Dairies. Definitely. Well, thank you for coming on again, Anya. It was nice to have you on. Have a great weekend. Did you know that you can turn your dairy manure into cash? Bennett Environmental is offering above ground dairy digesters at no cost to you. These systems can also remove nitrates from your lagoons to help you comply with water board regulations. Our proven above ground technology will generate income for your dairy into the foreseeable future. Because we truck the renewable natural gas off site, your dairy can profit regardless of your location. Bennett Environmental, turning your wastewater liabilities into sustainable assets. Learn more at bennett-environmental.com. Are you tired of hearing that the main way to save water is fallowing? Are you tired of seeing articles about how alfalfa and corn waste water? At Common Good Water, we combine the best-in-class subsurface drip system and precision crop management services, including pest control. Our verification program qualifies for public funding, and we want to help you continue farming in California. Contact your groundwater sustainability agency and ask how you can work with Common Good Water. Visit commongoodwater.com. Thanks again, Anya, for coming on, and thank you to the listeners. Um, Next week, we will not be posting a podcast because it is Thanksgiving, so we will pick up the following week, and everyone have a happy holiday. Thank you to the Western United Dairy's generous business sponsors, The Morning Star Company, Holt of California, Farm Credit Alliance, PG&E, Arata, Swingle, Van Egmond and Goodwin Law Offices, Yosemite Farm Credit, F&R Ag Services, Moss Energy Works, California Dairy Magazine, Bennett Environmental, and Common Good Water. We appreciate our sponsors and thank them for their continued support.